0: Welcome to the Church of Pod. This podcast is about a relatively small fundamentalist Christian movement that I used to be a member of. It's about high-demand religion and life after it. I'm Ben, and I'm your host. On this episode, I talk with an apostle of the Church of God, Patrick O'Shea Jr. He joins me, and we talk our way through church history as taught by the COG. We spoke for a few hours, so I'm going to break this into two parts. And in this first one, we talk a lot about the keys of the kingdom and apostolic authority and succession. We also get into the role of apostles versus the role of the individual's conscience. And we barely scratch the surface. There's a lot here that I want to dig into more. And Pat promised that he'd come back so we could cross sabers again and give these issues some more attention. But I hope you enjoy. can hear you Cool. it's good to see you do you want to use the video we won't publish it but we can use it if you'd like yeah we can use it yeah cool all right good to see you likewise thanks for making time for this good to be here are you uh bringing a plus one or is it just you and i it's just us today okay that's no problem in in times past apostles had to cover a whole continent by themselves sometimes so one one should suffice us for this conversation
1: we would trust, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover. We've got 2,000 years and maybe two hours to do it. So um, let's dive in, huh?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: So church history is, is especially important to the, to the church of God. Um, you know, if you end up going sort of normal Sundays to a regular Protestant congregation, you're not going to get as much church history education as you do in the, in the COG. Can you talk a little bit about why that is?
1: So I think uh, Brother Hargrave, the Apostle Stephen Hargrave, has said history is prophecy fulfilled. So we are based in the Church of God off of prophecy. That is our basis. That is our foundation. So when we see it actually fulfilled in history, that's really exciting and validating.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so it's not just a history, it it weaves through prophecy. You see the mm-hmm. the story that we're about to tell being told in the scriptures, in especially in the book of Revelation and in Daniel and in Matthew. Um and that like if we were to ask, well why is this church the one true church? That would be one of the main answers, right? Because Yeah, I
1: think. Yeah, uh, no. Very 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 correct. I think we would say um Peter was very interested in history, and he said, like, this day is this fulfilled in your ears. Okay. And the prophets would say things like, well, in the latter day, you will see more glory than in the former. So to us, the tracking of history is really exciting um, and really important. So
0: there's a couple ways to interesting sort of, um, I guess, metaphors that the scripture uses that we'll probably hit on in the way we can introduce here. One of which is the Revelation organizes ecclesiastical history into seven seals and seven trumpets. And so the, the period of time intervenes, like we're in the seventh trumpet time now, according to Church of God eschatology. And that's correct. The first trumpet time is Jesus and the apostles. And then important events from then represent the seven seals that are opened in the book, the seven trumpets that are opened in the book and the, the kind of action that happens in those sections of Scripture is allegorical for the history that happened during those times. Is that all, all correct?
1: So I think we would say the, the, the time frames, if we're talking about the trumpets, seals, etc., those are prophetic time frames, and they give a prophetic image of the history that happens during that time.
0: And by prophetic, so it's, they're, they're representative, right? Uh, there's no dragon, but the dragon is representative of a certain kind of system or form of government, for example. Um,
1: right, right. Symbolic. So there's no literal uh, reptile sort of beast crawling around on the earth. But the dragon is a a system. So I would say... There is a dragon, but it's not a reptile. It's it's symbolically represented as a dragon in Revelation, yeah. describing a system the or other, a beast. in That case.
0: The other one that I I was thinking of that we we would say I figure we would say it kind of without noticing that we're saying something that the uninitiated wouldn't wouldn't understand is uh, the morning time church. We would call the you would call the first. Uh, Jesus and the apostles—that's the morning time church, the first part of what's called the gospel day. Yes, and yeah. then and then this time uh, is referred to as the evening time, the evening light—it's sometimes called, right?
1: That's correct. Yes.
0: Yep. So if we use those terms, that's what we're referring to.
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: So let's let's jump in um, with with Jesus and the original apostles. Uh, one, of the, one of the interesting things that happens there that I was interested to kind of pick your brain on is the keys. I think that is a pivotal moment in the foundation of the church when, when Jesus says to Peter, Thou art Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church. Uh, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Um, and as he say, the, the gates of hell won't prevail against it.
1: Yes, you're talking, are you referencing Matthew 16, I'm assuming?
0: Yeah, Matthew 16.
1: Yeah. So what are these keys?
0: What is this? What is he
1: talking about? So the keys of the kingdom. First, we have to talk about the apostles okay. before you talk about the, the keys, correct? So Jesus Christ himself, Hebrews tells us, is an apostle and a high priest. Okay. And that's where we first see that term in, in the New Testament. Jesus Christ tells the 12 at that time, Judas would go on to betray him, but that they would follow him into the regeneration and they would sit on thrones. Okay. In the ministry of Christ as an apostle, he called unto him 12 apostles at the time, um, and he gave them authority, his authority, to be ambassadors, to have the dispensation of the gospel to have the agency of the gospel and to have the ministry of reconciliation so in that sense they would say later on paul would say it's my gospel i preached or in christ's stead i beseech you or as an ambassador of christ or uh peter would say as an apostle of christ i come to you he had the authority to dispense the gospel according to prophecy
0: And so that's the the office of apostle. Is that what defines it, the authority to administer the gospel?
1: So I think they they define the borders of the gospel, the the dispensation, the agency, and reconciliation. That ministry is given to them. In a similar way, I think the word apostle actually comes from um, the Greek word ambassador. Okay. So just like a foreign ambassador... Maybe in the representing the United States of America, mm-hmm. for example, would be in a different country, he would have the authority to act on behalf of that government, he would be that government to that country, okay. And but he couldn't go outside the bounds of, in, in that case, the American law. In our case, you can't go outside the bounds of prophecy, all right but you have the dispensation of it and the administration of it. I think Paul described two administrations. He said there was the administration of Moses and the administration of his time, to which he said, of which I am a minister. I believe he called himself an able minister, and Paul also would call himself an apostle. Yep, It's a great study, though.
0: Yeah, I think it's fascinating, Um, and and I think it has a lot to do with with how we interpret... um, church polity modern church polity well because the idea of restoration which is what we'll we'll see this story arc play out but that the church today is is identical with the new testament church with the morning time church and and mirrors its same structure and and bounds if you will and offices and everything is that true or
1: is there some difference i think, I think um That some people when they hear the word Church of God restoration and maybe have the thought that we're going to be restored back to the book of Acts but that's not a possibility because that time's past what it means is we're going to be restored to the fullness of the prophetic um, line in our time which has apostles like the book of Acts okay so we we're not going to go back in time in, and have a, a basically Jewish uh, congregation with twelve apostles and and in the original apostles, as you are aware of, there there were many more apostles in the morning time than twelve. Yeah, right. So, but we're referencing that. So Paul, Peter, John, all of them, they said, this is where we're at in history. And this is what's going to happen. We're going to see a fullness of the Gentiles. We're going to see, in John's case, he talked about all sorts of wonderful things from thrones being cast down to uh, a full gospel being preached. He talked about a loosing of winds, various things. But they said there's going to be a restoration, and the similarities in it is that the government of the church would be restored and actually restored to the prophetic line, which existed before time. What do you mean by that? So there's a promises in Genesis three fifteen. Okay. About us about, um, we'll paraphrase your seed will bruise his seed. It talked about two seeds. Okay. We could call that faith and unbelief. You could call that, um, Children of God, okay. and the children of the devil, right? Yeah, and they looked forward through that prophecy to a fulfillment of that. That Genesis three fifteen to the is the DNA of the gospel. Okay, so it holds in that little uh, scripture the whole code of the gospel and the promise after the fall, but. It said we were going to look for a redeemer. We could read on. Abraham was told next, and I'm skipping, you know, but if you look at next, Abraham's told of your seed, many nations will be blessed. And Paul calls him the father of faith. Jesus Christ, it says, was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Or in other words, he followed the prophetic line. He fulfilled the prophecy. And so, so that's what I mean by that. This this prophecy has been in, in the heart of God from, you know, it, as as we as people would refer to it as beginning of time. Yeah. The scripture says in the beginning, and it talks about God spoke things in or the logos interacted with or the yes. word of God interacted with men. So as the church of God, that's our main focus, the interaction of the word of God with men. Right. Okay. And through prophetic a prophetic we'll call it prophetic line or lineage, heritage.
0: And that doesn't Faith. necessarily mean a continuity, because we're about to talk about an apostasy, and we'll we'll, we'll see multiple apostasies along the way here. And it well I, it's not in the Catholic sense that that you know there's a there's a line of of continuity straight from Peter. So what sense is it that there's this lineage so,
1: so that's a that's a i really like that topic i actually got in this discussion in a catholic bookstore with a catholic priest okay so so it's very interesting you bring that up and uh we got to discuss it and the question i had for him was is apostolic succession biological right is it children prophetic? of the flesh or is it children of the promise or is it prophetic oh, so prophetic okay right so revelation lets us know that there were the morning time apostles Mm -hmm. and that at the end we would see that again.
0: And how you say prophetic is a, you're using it in a, in a way that I'm not super familiar with. Like, so if the, if the apostolic succession is prophetic, what does that mean?
1: So let's just say John in the revelation. Okay. I believe um, we could agree that that's a prophetic book. Okay. It speaks of things that are to come i, even, I believe it's things seem to come to pass shortly is how it states it in the first chapter Okay. so it's a prophetic book john's looking forward right in time yeah that's what he says that's what he says the christian perspective is john is looking forward in time and he sees things that are shortly to come so we would say revelation is a, is a revelation of jesus christ concerning things to come okay So that's prophecy, in its in its basic form, right?
0: Foretelling the future.
1: Yeah, in that sense, or foretelling. So he says in Revelation four, he sees uh, twenty-four elders. He talks about seals. He talks about um, trumpets. He talks about these things, and he talks about winds. So we see there, he sees these things will come to pass. Okay. That's prophetic. He talks about a... Th- okay, uh, okay. So, so you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so, so he's prophesying that there's going to be a falling away. Got it. There's going to be a dark day. There's going to be beasts that rise up. And then at the end of his prophecy, he sees the, the restoration of church government okay. in its fullness. And he sees the return of Christ.
0: Okay, so so what you mean by prophetic is it's, it was prophesied. Like... Um, it doesn't matter who ha- wears the triple mitre or sits at the Vatican or anything like that. What matters is these original apostles, the scriptures lined out the the milestones we're looking for and whoever's matching up to those milestones, that's the chosen people. is that is that right?
1: so I think I think that would be a good way to say that. okay, so I would say the people of God are those who stand in John's word, on the sea of glass, who stand on the prophecy and follow that just as just as Abraham did. Okay. Yeah. When he moved forward with faith. So the children are children of not a fate of flesh, but of faith. But you
0: would say that the church is not invisible, which is a term theological term that means sort of disconnected. Sure. It's not a you can't go and put your finger on the place and the and the particular people, a lot of especially Protestants would say, well, the church is invisible. It just includes, um, anyone who is a follower of Jesus, but that's not what you're saying.
1: No, neither was Jesus Christ invisible, right? If if Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham or part of that, Jesus Christ wasn't invisible, but he was, you know, he was flesh and blood, but he wasn't in the flesh as in, of unbelief or, uh, non-prophetic lineage. So I think with the Catholics, they try to take, and often incorrectly, people and they try to line them up for 2,200 years. Yeah. So they'll be like, uh, you know, they'll go from from different Pope to different Pope. There's some struggles in that because there's times when there's two or three Popes. There's Popes that are not chronologically in order. There's Popes that they have been as popes Popes when John's still alive. Like, so, but that's, that's not the basis of any scriptural belief. The scriptures, Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. He said he saw Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, and that he was an eyewitness of it. But was, what was the, uh, the main point is he says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Uh
0: Is the church considered sola scriptura? Is that a doctrine that the church subscribes to? You know what I mean by that?
1: Um in the sense Are you talking that, about in the Protestant sense?
0: Yeah, in the sense that the the written scripture as we have it is our guide and there's nothing outside of that. There's not it's not creeds, it's not sort of people's mandates. It's strictly scripture.
1: So, I think in the Protestant sense where they say sola scripture they speak of a dead letter Uh and and, in like a Zwingli or a Luther or your modern John Piper's or your MacArthur's, they they speak of a dead letter, they would say things like there no longer exists Apostles. Right. And and that's not in the scripture, but so when they say Sola Scriptura, they don't mean the living word of God, they mean a dead archived document, the letters.
0: How does it become alive then? How do you interact with a Bible that you can hold printed in your hand and you consider it different, more alive than what maybe MacArthur has or
1: deals with? So, um, the way you can interact with the scripture is, and I think this is very important, according to the scripture, in Revelation 10, it says there was a man who had the book, if you remember right, yeah. John yeah. saw an angel who had the book. He said, give me the little book, or he interacted with an apostolic gifting. Okay. So I think you interact with the scriptures by interacting with those who are standing in the prophecy with the gifting, calling, election, to dispense, administer, reconcile. And okay. that, that is how we uh, interact with the scriptures.
0: And so is there a connection there with your idea? You were talking about the Logos before. That idea of a living word, as opposed to the dead letter, there's a channeling of logos that comes through the ministry of an apostle.
1: There's a dispensation of it, certainly.
0: Okay, is that yeah. what's is that what's maybe meant in this scripture about binding and loosing? I give you the keys. If you bind on earth, we'll be bound in heaven. Loosed on earth, we'll be loosed in heaven.
1: So I think I think we could definitely say, with with. And again, I know you are talking maybe to a broader audience, but those who study Christianity, I think there would be no argument that Peter had the dispensation of the gospel.
0: And dispensation means
1: the, the, um, the, the right it. to distribute it? The administration, to... the rights to, to distribute it. He could do it accurately. He could do it in the stead of Christ. He was authorized. He was gifted. He was able. So I don't think there's any disputation that the morning time apostles had that dispensation. They certainly didn't doubt that.
0: And that dispensation, a lot of people claim to have that dispensation. But your contention is that that dispensation... So Paul says, I didn't get it from a man. You know, I didn't go out and see these guys, pillars, whatever they were supposed to be. I got this from Jesus Christ. You all obviously didn't receive it like Joseph Smith received the keys. Peter, James, John appeared as angels. They put their hands on his head, you know, it was handed down. But the dispensation is a particular, like, you, it's interesting that word, he had the right to distribute it in the appropriate way, the ability to distribute in an appropriate way. I guess it's a thread that we'll come back to because we see that, we see the keys, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to see the keys as we move through history, sort of reappear, right? It's not like they they disappear entirely. Or are they always here in some form or or do they pop up with certain luminaries?
1: So I think you see the operation of the keys in their fullest sense um, in the evening time. And you would see them also in the morning time, in, in the case of Peter, James, and John, uh, Paul, uh, through that dispensation, through what Paul calls my gospel, through that mediation, um, that, that they were operating with that authority, with that administration.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about the apostasy. Um, those guys also foresaw that, at their, that their deceased grievous wolves would come in. Um, and as the narrative goes... That happened shortly after the apostles passed, destruction of the temple. There in the first century, what are called the church fathers, there was a falling away in the church's perspective. What do you think were the factors that led to that?
1: I think I think that's a an excellent word you use. That's the narrative. The correct narrative is important. So Paul said, um, to the Romans, he said, I, I trust the Lord will bruise Satan's head shortly. Peter said, after I think it was Peter said, after my was it Peter Paul, after my departure, grievous wolves would come in. Mm-hmm. And John also looked ahead and he saw um an apostasy. He saw it in many layers, actually. So what was the cause? I think for one, the scriptures, even of the of the minor prophets, foretold it. Right? So so let's I think that's the first thing to get straight is that it was already foretold i think paul recognized in his scripture he talked about the mystery of god he talked about the fullness of the gentiles coming in okay and i believe those morning time apostles realized that although their work had reached out very broadly yet the government of the church was a jewish government it wasn't the fullness of the gentiles that it would it would take some time until they were ready for that now no one knew how long they knew certain events would unfold but no one knew how long exactly Uh at least to start with John looked and he he got some some things so so if we're going to talk about that I would say prophetically it was foretold Is first most important thing to know second thing what caused an apostasy amongst the brethren was when People wanted to be Peter, Paul, James, and John. They wanted to sit in that seat. So we're talking about those who Paul called pillars in the church. Right. So I would say, and he said, and I believe he said another place, I'm not a whit behind. Them.
0: So there was a there was a hierarchy in the in the early apostolic church. They had chief apostles, they had apostles, they had bishops, they had deacons. Um and they had that hierarchy. Paul
1: describes the hierarchy. Yeah, he says first apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and then within the apostles, Jesus Christ separated Peter, James, and John out from amongst them as a as a hierarchy when Christ was a, was around. Okay. So there's always been a plural ministry with a hierarchy.
0: Is that are are the three chiefs? Are they equal then or now, or is is there a chief of the chiefs?
1: So that you're talking, so we're jumping to now, right? Sure. I'm curious about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. So of we have three chief apostles, and we have apostle D. Ray Tinsman, we have Apostle Stephen Hargrave, and Apostle Randall Hargrave. Those are the chief apostles. Of those, brother. Ray is our chief. He is the chief of the chiefs. Okay. So, and then under him would be Brother Randy and then Brother Steve.
0: Oh, in that order?
1: In in that order. Okay. Yeah, if you're talking strictly hierarchical, yeah. yes.
0: Okay. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that.
1: Giftings have room, Ben, so there's ways that they every every gift is important. It has its room to operate. Member of the a volume. taco could never deny a gift. That's, that's some of the interesting things that uh, people try to say. So in that there's a hierarchy within the apostles, there's a hierarchy within the ministry. Mm-hmm. Always have been. That's a biblical pattern.
0: And so that hierarchy is what you were starting to say, some people back in the first century were starting to abuse or usurp?
1: So I think people tried to, to step into seats um, that were not theirs to step into, that they didn't have the gifting, didn't have the calling, okay. didn't have the election for, and they tried to um, do it to take advantage of the people.
0: To take advantage of people. Traditionally, uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on traditionally, and I think this was sort of the angle when I was learning the history of the church with the Church of God, the... There was a problem. Well, it was one of the things that Luther really stood out against with the Catholic Church, where they said, You've gone wrong because of priestcraft, uh, because of popery, because you've put intermediaries between God and man, these human intermediaries, instead of the intermediary that the scripture um, lays forward Jesus Christ. Is that a factor? in your understanding of, of the original apostasy?
1: So we're talking about the, we're talking about right after Peter, James, and John, I think what we saw was uh, men stepping in the that they couldn't fulfill, and they brought with them all sorts of doctrines. A lot of bitterness, a lot of interesting doctrines, um, and also when someone who was doing what they shouldn't do, they cloud up everything. Mm-hmm. I would say with Martin Luther, the issue, what he then did was he, he, he made the thing worse. Like, it didn't get brighter with the Martin Luther and John Calvin. Things got worse. Okay. They basically said, everybody's an apostle, and there's no need for community. We all essentially worship the God of our own choosing, the church of our own choice, and it made it really dark.
0: Oh, uh, because he he opened the floodgate for lack of ca- ca- the Catholic idea, the Catholic meaning universal that there's it's fine to sort of interpret this yourself because it's a priesthood of believers. We don't have an in we don't have the hierarchy that you're that you're saying Jesus well, instituted here, and so there was sort of every well, man for himself.
1: Well, I would say more than that. I would say Martin Luther. Had everybody having their own religion and made everybody their own God and they didn't have a need for a fellow brother honestly you didn't need a brother to help you interpret scripture to help you read the scripture to help you understand the scripture because you could do that by yourself you didn't need anybody to help you with anything you were your own God and um, that's what he taught so he was the he was the originator of that thought he said well the apostles are dead,
0: mm-hmm. the pope
1: is wrong, so every man to himself.
0: Every man for himself.
1: And every man for himself, and whatever you think is right is good, unless you're a Catholic.
0: What is, would you say, the appropriate use? And this is a thread, as I looked through these, all of these different events in church history. This thread comes up over and over. What is the appropriate place for an individual conscience in the practice of Christianity, for a layperson? I can elaborate on that question if if
1: go ahead elaborate
0: there's some gotta be some balance between the authority the apostolic authority that we're talking about the opportunity the ability to bind and loose to properly Mm -hmm. properly interpret scripture to, to, to dispense and interpret the gospel there's there's that but then there is the fact that every individual has a conscience every individual has the Holy Ghost. Um, every individual, uh, traditionally, I don't know if you subscribe to this, but has direct access to Jesus Christ, sort of in a relational way. And what happens when a person's personal faith and conscience contradicts what is spoken by the by the apostles? What what's the appropriate thing for a person of faith to do?
1: So I i'm going to try to rephrase the question make sure i understand what you're saying Yeah. so to make sure there's no misunderstanding i don't believe in the scripture the apostles were given anything more than the dispensation agency and reconciliation through the gospel so for example the prophetic line is there right the word of god is there there's a line that there's a dispensation that it's given to through Peter, James, John, okay. Brother Ray, whoever. Um, but they're not called to take away personal conviction or personal relationship. As a matter of fact, it, it would only bring you closer to Christ. I don't—so I'm not quite—so maybe I'm not quite understanding your well. Maybe your we'll question. Maybe we'll— we c- so,
0: it'll come back up when we talk about the um, the true standard. I think that's what HM Riggle was preaching about that question. So maybe we'll put a pin in that and bring it so, up in that context.
1: Okay, let's yeah, let's discuss it further. While I'm on the keys. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of jumping through. There is no apostle that could stop someone from getting saved. Oh, interesting. Right?
0: Now I've heard it said though that there are certain people who have to go through through but the apostles in order
1: for some people to get saved i can't stop someone who will follow the process of salvation got it but for for people to get saved they have to go through certain people okay so that process it's goes always through been that way apostles. paul said how shall they be saved unless they hear mm-hmm. right the process of salvation of self, salvation is into the, the process of be, being saved. Godly sorrow, conviction, a work of salvation, will cause you to go through the to cause you to go through the preacher to cause you to be right because that's who has the dispensation of the gospel. But you can't say like, no, you can't be saved. You certainly can say you must have godly sorrow, you must have repentance, you must take these steps as lined out by scriptural now so so
0: i think must you be affiliated with with proper apostleship for example i you wouldn't believe that i would go and get saved if i told you i i went to the you know i've joined the unitarians and i've i feel um i've gotten salvation you know you wouldn't think that i could get saved in that way i would need to be affiliated part of my salvation would be affiliation with brother ray under that because he has the dispensation
1: so i think to be saved you have to acknowledge the truth whether that's someone who's in a far off distant place who's never heard the gospel preached they have to start by acknowledging the truth we say the currency of the gospel is acknowledgement and wherever the truth is, you have to accept it. You have to say that's right for, for someone who is, I'm just making that far off. And they say, there's a sun out there. There's a spirituality. There's a spirituality. There's something more. to this than just animalism okay i think they would start there and the grace of god would lead them to take that first step but they would have to keep acknowledging the truth Mm -hmm. to be saved Mm -hmm. right and no doubt it would lead them to one god to lead them to make changes in their life that were according to that so i think wherever we're at we have to acknowledge the truth to be saved yeah
0: including the the so, truth that, like Peter, stay in the first century.
1: So if you're in the first century and you say, I want to be a Christian, mm-hmm. you don't know anything. You're from wherever, Ethiopia. When Philip comes along, you have to say, this man has the gospel. and You it- have to acknowledge that truth. And I think that's the same for everybody. And that's what people are, are so afraid to do. That's why so many unverified and false accusations go out, because people don't want to acknowledge truth at whatever point it is. I think Berlaine taught us, wherever it comes from, if it's the truth, we have to acknowledge it. So I think for those who have left and who have seen the truth, we're simply saying acknowledge what's true. So including the... Including the gifting of Brother Ray. Right. Including the preaching of the Word of God right. in this time. So we're saying you would have to acknowledge the truth right. to be saved. Yep. Right? So, um, and wherever the, wherever that is.
0: Well, let's jump back on the timeline into the Reformation.
1: So Ben, just before we move, yeah, yeah. I do want to say, like, you know, I have hope for you. Huh. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I have hope for you that you know, maybe through these conversations or through something like, you know what, maybe I'm not the theologian or maybe I'm not a historian, but yeah, that was right. Even people, the steps is saying, maybe I don't agree with this. Maybe we don't see this, but this is right. This was right.
0: Well, so my, I appreciate that. And my Adam Pamer told me, uh, I think when you he heard the first podcast, he said, I, I fear my labors have been wasted on you. <laughs> I,
1: I, I hope, I hope so. I hope that's the case. I, Brad Hart just walked in here. Oh, one he of the family. So, so he's, he's one of your favorites Yeah, One of my favorites. So, so he's, he's listening in right now. Good. Thought I'd, yeah, he just walked in. So uh, maybe he'll say hi. I don't know, but. Yeah, we, we know that, you know, in your heart, you know you're calling an election, and you know how we know what you could be. So we're, we have hope. We have hope for you. Oh well, that's kind of you.
0: I think. I think that's kind of you. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Uh, I know. Reformation. Um, who, who do Reformation. You see, who do you see as luminaries? And this is the Protestant Reformation. Okay. I, I know we used to sell at the... Bookstore, you know Luther's uh, Luther's works and stuff, but he uh, he had some issues. And there's no, but there's there's maybe not any real.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I think there's African some luminaries. Barriers. Okay, who do you like? Okay, so I would say again with the with the Reformation, it's a dark time. I think anyone will say that's a dark time. You know, so so yeah, there's no one perfect, um, but they're perfect for their time. I, I think, like, Savonarola. I like Savonarola. Okay. He preached um, to the Pope. And he, he, some of his letters are very interesting. He writes things like, Sir, you're, you're occupying a seat that's rightful, but you're occupying in unrighteousness, which is wrong. Okay. You can't yeah. do that. So he was able to respect the authority of the Pope. However abused or misused it was which which it was right those were some crazy popes too. Mm-hmm. but he said, you know I recognize there is there is a, um, a place of authority and he and then he preached righteousness to the best that he knew. He was burned in Florence, if I remember correctly at the end of it um, he, he had some wild ideas too, but he he lived to the best he knew. I like Menno Simons yeah, okay. I think Menno Simons would be a contemporary of Zwingli, maybe uh, like a little bit in Martin Luther's, but I think he was a little bit after. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they yeah. they ran together, but the peak Martin Luther might have been the early Menno Simons. Mm-hmm. So I like Menno Simons. I like uh, Felix Mans. I like uh, depending on how far you want to go in the Reformation. Love the Wesley brothers. Yeah, I love the Wesley John brothers. John Fletcher.
0: Okay, so that that brings us to the uh, what's what's also sometimes called the Reformation. We'll call it the sixth trumpet period. Coming out of yeah. coming out of the Reformation, uh, there was pushback against that idea. Uh, there was a, a sort of a revitalization of the idea that you know God tried to make one church intends to have one single body. It's not um, scattered and divided in all of these different denominations that you're describing, but in fact, it's God's will that. Christians would get together, let the Holy Ghost lead them into truth. You know, come together on their commonality of the new birth, etc., cetera, um, and and make a visible body. So, in the this was about the nineteenth century, late nineteenth century, Civil War times. Um, mm-hmm. A man named D.S. Warner was in one of those holiness groups um, and began to see this concept of the one Church of God, and the call in Revelation to leave all of those sects, um, what he referred to as Babylon, and to come out of Babylon, meaning to leave behind the, the Baptists and the Lutherans and the Catholics and everything, and come back to a more pure sort of apostolic faith.
1: Um, I think he was saying leave everything and come to Christ. And he taught that if right, sanctification... Right. If if we were all sanctified, all God's people should be one, right? He believed that salvation, um, they were holiness people during the time Methodism had swept over. It Mm -hmm. had been the Great Awakening in America. You had the Civil War, which had, there was a broiling question on the black-white issue. Right. um, That was forefront in people's mind. Are they equal? Um, Are they... You know, to what level are they? Um, There was a hundred million sects. And D.S. Warner felt like, per prophecy, again, this is so amazing because the scripture tells us of this. He felt like there should be a gathering together of God's people into one, into one um, body.
0: The, the, The mechanism for that, he talked a lot about sort of just jettisoning creeds. And man made things and everything that wasn't Bible based, scripture based, and it was a it seemed to be a real culling down. Is that how you understand that sort of period of time too? Like it was a, it was almost as much about what isn't, what doesn't belong in the faith and in the church
1: as what does. Well, I think D. S. Warner said this is what the scriptures teach us prophetically. This is what we need to cling to, and we need to leave all else. And the, this
0: being the just the fact of regeneration, so
1: his 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 message was full salvation, which, in the terms that he would he would write of, would be justification and entire sanctification. In that full mm-hmm. salvation mm-hmm. experience, we would find ourselves one in Christ. Gotcha. DS Warner said, "The avenue of us coming together will be through sanct. Everyone who's sanctified will be drawn together." And he began to preach for for uh, historical context what's known as the come out message. Come out message. Which is and he said, powerful. "Leave everything and come back to the to the Word of God, to the prophecy, to the to the doctrine mm-hmm. of the Word of God." Okay, so DS Warner founded what
0: sort of sort of the the church of god if you will that's you know there's some continuity there that's with the apostolic time but the denomination known as the church of god in say in anderson indiana is a is a kind of a branch of his historically the church of god restoration has its roots there
1: so ds warner never lived in anderson right he died in grand junction michigan ds warner said biblically speaking when I study the Bible, the name where God's people are gathered unto, unto has always been the Church of God. Right. So that's said, just... that's 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 what we are. We're the Church of God. We're the called out. Uh huh. So Anderson would follow D. S. Warner. Mm-hmm. The Anderson movement. Now, in
0: in Warner's day, was there hierarchy? Do you do you find that was
1: there leadership? It wasn't like. The, a. L. Byers, H. M. Riggle, and others wrote that there was okay that that they understood. I would say Warner. So they would say that D. S. Warner was a pope. After he passed away, many of his contemporaries said he was a dictator or a pope, or he really ruled things. Okay. Now, when he was alive, they rejoiced in his ministry. Um, so, so he had an administration. I'm
0: thinking about what is. I'm thinking about coming out. I'm thinking about his message of a, a a kind of I don't I don't know if it's fair to say a baseline of of Christianity, the essentials. Was he calling people out to to a to a look? We we agree on um, full salvation on on these two works of grace.
1: Yes, the and, Warners main message was all God's people should be one.
0: But what did he do when people disagreed about particularities, say cutting of hair or dress standards, or um, you know, they, they worried about things like playing cards and buying insurance, you know? How did he propose handling some of those matters of conscience
1: that aren't strictly spoken of in the Bible? So I think D.S. Warner... Um, at his time under his administration uh, set standards for those sort of items Um, he would do so you know in council with brethren but i believe there were things like he felt like the saints should not be involved in life insurance at the time because Mm -hmm. it, it was a questionable thing and there were a distinction in Dress, and he felt the Bible taught that there should be, and it does teach that there should be, you know, a distinction, a modesty, but his main message that he preached was the unity of God's people, the coming out of everything that kept us apart and acknowledging the truth was a big message of his. Acknowledge the truth and come out and and get, he taught salvation experience I believe he called it crisis experience. Right. And he thought the infilling of the Holy Ghost would make us one. And I believe that D.S. Warner, according to the Bible, taught it to the best he knew mm-hmm. and did, did, did a harvest work as described in Revelation 14. He did a harvest work, but there was more to come. It described it as a D.S. Warner as a uh, an army with breastplates adjacent, with ready to go forward in battle, but had tales of serpents. So it was an administration that was prophetically foretold to have in, uh, an end that would be hurtful. Not his, but those who would follow after, and that there would be a time of silence after him. But it was a glorious awakening to all people, especially in America. Things that had uh, not been done were done. You had a service in which a woman preacher lifted the lines, the ropes that divided the black and the white mm-hmm. uh, congregants from each other and preached about the middle wall being torn down while the brethren leapt and shouted and rejoiced that they were one no matter what color. That same sister would go on to, to back down on that and to support the mm. um, separation to some degree Mm. but the main message was if we stand on the word of god let's study it let's read it let's get together let's acknowledge it let's come to an experience that's in there that will be one and that's what ds warner's uh main message was
0: now what things and we can refer to the sixth this, this, by the way, is what's called the sixth trumpet time. They, they believed they were the sixth trumpet. Um, and that the seventh trumpet would be the final trump. So when we say sixth trumpet time, we can talk about sixth trumpet time or our current time. Under these, in this context, what are the things that you would separate, that it is appropriate to separate over? If a person has the regeneration, but they don't agree with the dress standard. Is that something that brethren should split on? Is that an important thing? That important?
1: So I, I again, I think it comes down to the important thing is the trajectory of a person. Okay. Right. I think in anything, in in the business world, in personal relationships, in church government, in anything, the trajectory of a person. Um. And, and I would love to talk more about that. I think we'll get there as we continue on. Yeah. But if they're going away from acknowledged truth that they know is clear, then they separate themselves.
0: But they would have to think that that truth is true. So let
1: me, let me say something here, and maybe this will help. Okay. If there was someone who came in the midst of the congregations who believed that in order to be saved, they needed to wear a head covering. Right. And they believed that. And then they took that off. Like I heard some Amish girls. They said, Oh, we had a real party. People were taking their head coverings off. Mm -hmm. Right. To me, I think they violated in their own selves. You know, if they did it to be worldly, and to, you know, and they still felt like scripturally they should wear it, I think those people would be in violation, right? Yeah, I agree with you. They would be not acknowledging. Now, if that same person said, This head covering is a sign of oppression, the scriptures don't call for me to wear this, it actually, I feel it hinders my worship, and they took that off, I think those are two different trajectories, right?
0: Okay, well, let's use the head covering then. Let's take a person, let's say a sister in the church. And she gets convicted from reading the scripture and and understands and believes that she should cover her head, and wants to do that. Is that a problem? Would that be a? You would say that person is now turning against the truth they once acknowledged.
1: Truth they once acknowledged. If they if they had a scriptural stand against the head covering, and then they and they had a. Mm-hmm. You're saying if they got a personal conviction that they correct. needed to wear a head covering, correct. Or they should wear it.
0: Okay. How about if a person has a personal conviction that it's okay to watch nature documentaries? Let's let's say Brother Ed Hart. He's like, look, I don't find in the scripture. So I don't find in the scripture that I'm not allowed to watch. So
1: t- TV. I think. So let's go. That's a good question. I think we're not done with the head covering. Now okay. that sister has a personal conviction to wear a head covering. Okay. She doesn't have the authority to tell the there the rest of the saints. Right. You all need to wear a head covering. God hasn't given her that gifting. Okay, That's not where the body's been led. That's right. not scriptural. That's not under the administration. Sure. Right? Absolutely. So there are things that are subject to church authority. Brad Hart is not going to find that the scriptures command him to listen to a documentary. Okay. But he will find the scriptures that say, be subject to those who have the rule over you. That's... And if it is the case where, where he has a God-called pastor standing on the prophetic line, he says, "Brother, I don't think we need to do this right now." Then I think he'd be violating, right? He'd be not acknowledging that man's office and gifting to do something which wasn't.
0: Can I? Can I ask certain. you about be, the best case I can think of?
1: So I think if you keep going we'll get into the depth of it if we keep going on the reformation. Yeah, cuz I well, we I think can you have it there.
0: Yeah, the true standard, the true standard is that what you're you're driving toward?
1: No, I'm not. Oh, what are you but, what are you looking at? What? I'm looking at the necktie. The necktie.
0: Okay. The necktie. I think the
1: necktie's a really good issue.
0: Okay. That's good. And if that doesn't satisfy me, I'm going to bring up I'm going to bring one a little closer to home. Okay, so the necktie became sort of a banner issue DS D.S. Warner Dies.
1: C.S. Warner dies. Yes, there, late
0: 1800s. Seems to be a bit of a not a not a particular singular leader anymore, but rather there's kind of a plurality of ministers. It I my impression has been that it's a little disorganized. Not as they didn't have the technology we have now, but they're also you know they're itinerant, they're traveling, they're they're a little more disconnected.
1: There are some there are some prominent ministers though, right? There are some
0: prominent ministers. Like
1: HM Riggle would Riggle. be leading your camp meeting conferences. There you go. The Byron brothers, Reardon, Shell. And oh, D.S. Warner and for a little bit.
0: DS Warner and them, they they had no tie, like like the Saints today. They thought that the tie was ornamentational and the Bible teaches against ornamentation, is it has no purpose except to adorn. So they taught against it biblically come on a few years after DS Warner's death and people started wearing ties, get, you know, a different class of people was being reached out to a business class of people. Um, and even some of the ministers were sort of swept away in the dissimulation that they were, um, wearing ad- and advocating that it was okay to wear a tie, that it was a matter of conscience. Um, and so that's what the true standard was preached on HM Riggle preached. And this was, this is sort of a landmark, um, as far as this this true church that D.S. Warner was revitalizing slipped into apostasy. And this message is one of the places where the, the Church of God puts their finger to say, you know, this is a banner message that they brought in a, a different kind of lifestyle, but a different way of thinking about the conscience. That's why I'm, I'm driving at this issue a little bit because I think it's fascinating. So,
1: yeah, yeah so i think i think that that is and i don't i don't mean it as disrespectfully but that is almost like a perfect laboratory experience where we can look at it and analyze and say what happened all right right because it happened before people's eyes so ds warner dies they have what they call like a congregational mind frame after that
0: okay meaning
1: there's no government
0: right there's no government there's no government.
1: Argument. There's no There's no apostles. There's no prophets. And there's equal pastors. Anyone who's ordained was equal. And, and except that was it really a, wasn't. Whoever had the, so, yes. but anyways.
0: But that was kind of on purpose. But, that was sort of what they were trying to build was a ministry led by Jesus Christ as
1: the head. No, they were trying to build a ministry led by each one as their own head. And here's the issue with the tie. Under D.S. Warner, as you say, and God gives authority to ministers. He felt like the tie was something that the saints would not do. The reason H.M. Riggle and those other men who the Bible calls serpents that did much hurt Brought in the tie, it had nothing to do with whether a tie is worldly or not. The article of clothing. Okay. The whole reason for the tie was it was a direct rebellion against the message of D.S. Warner that said all God's people will be one. It was a direct rebellion against the dispensation that Warner had. They wanted to get away from Warner's dispensation, and they wanted to get away from the prophetic line, which says all nations will be blessed in this government through this faith. I I don't understand why you would see that. Hold on. I'm going there. All right. If you study the tie out and study the literature of that day, you'll find out I'm talking by D.S. Warner in the trumpets, Uh which I don't have in front of me, but I wish I did. I read you quotes. The reason they wanted the tie was so they could appeal to the businessmen and so that they could cause a separation between the white saints and the black saints.
0: A class separation.
1: A class separation. The reason the Church of God, I'm talking about us, we hate the tie isn't because it's an adornment. It's because it's a representation of division between black and white. Between but upper class and lower class.
0: Not anymore,
1: right? So so the reason we hate it is because that's what it was.
0: So it's the st- stig- stigma. It's our minds. We
1: know our history. Right? But it wouldn't I be, guess,
0: ne- it wouldn't necessarily be unscriptural then to wear a tie.
1: So unscriptural to wear it, a tie. It's just
0: culturally taboo
1: it's not well you know i guess it's not it's it's culturally taboo so are you saying if if the tie was just used as an article of clothing for to wear would that be unscriptural
0: yeah why would that be
1: wrong there's nothing wrong with the tie in that sense the problem with the tie is it was a division maker but it wouldn't And so 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 i'm still dealing with the, let's get let's all get right. through hm riggle then we'll get to today all right all right so hm riggle in rebellion to D.S. Warner, says all God's people don't have to be one together. I didn't read that. We in can the have true a black standard. church. We can have a black church, and we can have a white church. We can meet at Anderson in West Middlesex. We can have an appeal to the upper class, and then we'll have these—they call them um wildfire congregations—in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. They wrote articles on how to deal with these preachers. Warner Byron especially Russell Byron, how to deal with these preachers out in Kentucky who were still preaching and gathering these people together like that. But Daniel Lane comes from a congregation of wildfire preachers. Mm-hmm. He didn't come from Faith and Victory. What Faith and Victory did is they run off with the tie, and they say, we are not going to wear the tie because it's immodest. And if you come on the grounds um, wearing the tie, then you're not saved. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But Faith and Victory took the same divisional spirit with them. They were segregated to, into the 90s. You can read writings of Austin Wilson that says we should not, not that it's wrong, but we should not have interracial marriages because it doesn't look good. I went to Faith and Victory as a boy in 1989 or so, right before 90. I don't remember which year because I was young. I wandered into the bathroom where it happened to be that and these young african american men said hey you don't belong in here you have to go to the white bathroom this is in the late 80s so hm riggle started a racist division with the tie. okay so race should not be not that the article issue, though, of clothing right? would have been not necessarily wrong
0: so the article of clothing is a matter of conscience
1: the article of well no and in this case, to me, it's a matter of conscious I wouldn't put on a tie because I would recognize, for one reason, there's other reasons, but I would recognize the divisiveness of it. Just like, you know?
0: What about, what
1: about- I'm not Phil? gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, say to, 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 uh, Uh, African-American preacher, even if he was a tyrant, well, you're a plantation owner because of what that all represents. Yeah. There's things we don't do because they're so... Like, is the swastika symbol by itself wrong? Sure. That little square? No way. Would you put one on your house? Right. No way, because that represented the genocide of the Jewish people. So to a Church of God person who knows their history, the tie represents in a church way the genocide of the black people. And so we stand against it. Not that the not that the article of clothing by itself would be right or wrong.
0: Okay. I mean I've never heard it framed that way. That's that's entirely that's novel the to
1: only me. way to frame it. That's the historical context of that. That's the articles around it. That. And that's what HM Riggle was getting at. He was trying to make when he preached about the pure conscience, it wasn't about, I think, in his message, this brother can spend his money this way, maybe you have a little Uh difference here or there. D.S. Warner was trying to make a divide amongst the people of God. H.M. Riggle. Oh, H.M. Riggle, sorry. Ooh, that was a bad one there. He was making a divide along racial lines, and there was no government in place to say that's against the prophecy. If 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 H.M. Riggle said brethren we've considered it it's been 20 years remember life insurance we've considered it and we see that the tie is acceptable it is modest we have uh the brethren who are called to to look over this we've we've studied out it's okay bro i think we we, the tie is acceptable that would have been one thing but that's not what happened
0: can i try my we
1: as a church of god we stand strong against racism most issues most issues are based in some sort of racism. A lot of what we do is we don't just wear certain things or not wear certain things because of rules. And, and I agree, a leadership has, has room to work, right? There is, the Bible says this is modest. We have room to work to say, saints, this is distinct, this is identifying, this is rebellious, this is against the world. We have, we have, we have authorization there, but you know what? We also understand there's cultural allowances, there's um, regional allowances in dress. Those things are fine. But what there's not allowed is prophetic violation or violation of the governing laws that are preached against that would separate brother from brother.
0: Well, aren't the governing laws made by the church? I mean, we, we kind of have drawn a line between, and the, and the true standard tries to differentiate between what the Bible teaches, and then other things that are bound and loosed. What what the Church of God calls standards.
1: So, so, so let's let's talk about the standards, which okay. I love. We are on the topics I love right now. This is like bread right. and butter for me. Right from the beginning, there was a law that said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbors. Yourself." Yeah. That's what men. That's what in the garden they were governed by. That's what Uh Abraham was governed by. God gave him circumcision to help as an aid to his faith, but it wasn't. It wasn't a law that would be carried on as the New Testament church recognized. Okay. Okay. God allows administrations room. Moses had room to work with, but he had no room to to change. Um, he could not change there's coming a seed he could not change love the Lord your God he could not change love your neighbor as yourself how that played out in the society he was surrounded with there's authority given there's keys given because there how could you predict in 20 uh, in 2022 there'd be an internet in well in Peter's day
0: we're getting to it let's take Moses because Moses yeah, we're getting to it. Moses. His his administration and his legal system was later spoken against. It was specifically added specifically because it created a set of of dead rules that actually oppressed the people that people had to be set free from. And Paul spent his whole ministry advocating against circumcision because it was a thing extra added on top of the gospel of love the the law of love that actually brought division instead of unity. And it wasn't so, that everyone who wants to join the church needs to be circumcised like, like James and the Jerusalem church seem to teach these people need to be circumcised so we can all be one. We all follow the same set of standards. Instead, Paul said, forget all that. And I think Jesus said the same thing. No, all of that is additional. If you want to know what you need to do, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself, and, you know, orient yourself in this direction, and the rest of this stuff is details, and it isn't appropriate for people to come in and set uh, um, laws, burdens on people's backs that have historically been, they've been unable to bear.
1: So I think, I think Jesus Christ used, he was going to, to fulfill his promise to mankind. So he used Moses, Galatians calls him a mediator, Mm -hmm. right? He was a mediator. The law was added to provide a structure for people to come on down the prophetic line to look forward to Jesus Christ. The law was administered by Moses. He was given authority to do that. It expired. Right, because- It expired. In Christ, because it reached its
0: fulfillment. And because it wasn't good enough, it, it didn't work to give people 470 rules to live by. That isn't the way to make a person a good person. It isn't a but, way to receive, to interact with regeneration.
1: But it had its
0: purpose. It had its purpose, as it was all a government
1: does. And, and, and says, during that administration, it was important to to follow what Moses set in place, to follow the administration of Moses, because that was a vehicle to bring you to a better
0: administration. Well, that's difficult, right? Because, and, and that's, that's interesting, because we're looking at a timeline here throughout history of different administrations, and they differ. For example, um, under one apostle, something is allowed. Under the, the next, something is disallowed. And, what you're what you're saying is that the the lay people are beholden to the the rules that the apostles laid down,
1: just because the apostles laid them down. So, so we're just talking about Moses right now, right? All right. All right. He's a mediator. Those people were beholden to the rules he laid down in the gospel in in the gospel as in the old testament until they right? until they weren't until they weren't but but during that administration they were under the rules if you will of Moses
0: I mean sure I, I, it's difficult for me to say yes because I I don't I don't believe in the entire s- sort of system that underlies your premise in the sense that like a person would go to hell if they didn't do such a thing. You know, I would suggest that the law of love has been the governing law the entire time. And like you said, the the law of Moses was
1: added. Moses Moses's Moses's law was added as a vehicle to bring people to Christ. Right. But not, but you couldn't jump out of the vehicle till you got to Christ.
0: I not sure. I don't know. I think Hebrews Paul really harps on this and he says, Look, it's not the children of promise. This is what he's talking about. There's a woman. There's Hagar under the law. There's Sarah, woman, the free woman, and these are two different administrations. One brings death, and one brings life. And it wasn't that the law was giving life for a thousand years. No, it, it wasn't. It was administering. What was giving life then? The same law of love, faith. That's the contention of the author. So of faith
1: was giving life. What was giving people life was they were looking ahead to the Messiah. They were looking in love. They were looking and they were honoring those laws. But the working out of their faith under Moses was shown by obedience to those to those Mosaic laws. It could be, but it could
0: also be exactly the opposite. Anyone who's circumcised is beholden to the circumcision. You're, you're lost, whoever's bewitched
1: you. Well, and- if you get circumcised to be circumcised, then that wouldn't avail you, would you? But if you got circumcised right. to obey... Sure. As a sign of obedience to the law of love, right, that would save you.
0: And if you didn't get circumcised, like like Silas, I think it was, didn't get circumcised when he went to Jerusalem. Even he wasn't compelled to be circumcised. We didn't give in to those people, not even for a moment.
1: I'm talking if about you, Moses right now. Though. Okay,
0: but let's dig, let's talk about Moses. A person under yeah, Moses yeah. who wouldn't get circumcised because they they understood this isn't like even the prophets. Do this in the under the administration of the law under the time of Moses. A prophet like Jeremiah or somebody would say, "I hate your feasts. I hate all this stuff that you're doing. What I want from you, you know, it's it's better to obey than to make a sacrifice." They got that 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 the law of there was was understood it wasn't the, the performance of the standards that created salvation. It was it was a willing heart. What was it? It was a willing heart. It was the heart. faith in the prophecy. I don't think that that's okay, unless the prophecy is defined as as the what we're calling the law of love. That's in my
1: worldview. It was that's the just, For the sake of our creation, it was their faith in God. We'll Great. just start I there. So I think that's an easy. I can go. I think that. we can easily acknowledge that, which okay. we'll find out is the same thing. Okay. As as because so, the word is. The Logos is God. Yes.
0: And if a person has faith in God, then the particulars, the feasts that they keep, if a person keeps a day or doesn't keep it, he should be fully convinced he does it under the Lord. And if a person has that
1: faith in God... So I'm still under Moses. Under Moses. There's before no, Christ came. If you did not keep the law, the reason you would not keep the law is because you did not love the Lord. I... I... I don't entirely no, agree if he considered disobedience because the law didn't well, say love saved.
0: it's the obedience love that saved. becomes the issue it's the but and it, faith ob- has works faith has works but those are those works Defined obedience works. to the are those works obedience to the current administration it certainly that's wasn't
1: we're, we're, I'm just dealing with Moses right now All right. it certainly wasn't in the mosaic time it, it the faith was they had to look to christ they, they understood that the feasts weren't it but they still after jeremiah there was the rebuilding of the temple and he said if you don't keep these feasts you're, you're not a part i'm i'm paraphrasing i'm not talking about jeremiah i'm talking about hezekiah i'm talking about zechariah their writings would clearly teach you that the jews who did not come to the feast of the passover which was you can read it in ezra they could not say they had faith or could not say they loved the lord because if you love me do my commandments but what are his commandments are his commandments well in moses's time his commandments were to make sacrifice to attend the feast to um keep the mosaic law so
0: paul comes along and jettisons that and he he's up ends, I'm that. talking
1: about in Moses. Well, let's talk let's, leading let's, up to Jesus Christ. Let's
0: move up to Jesus Christ. Let's let's
1: let's get... move up to Christ. Christ says, The law was sent to bring you to me, okay, to my administration, to my, and here's the first time we see it. So it was a vehicle to fulfill the prophecy, right? So, okay, at Christ Jesus, which is not a complete fulfillment of the Of the promise given in Genesis 3 15 at Christ Jesus he points out to love the Lord your God a greater than Moses is here here's an apostleship Mm -hmm. here's an administration
0: right here's an and here's a new way here's a new way to interact with God and
1: here's and and he he goes on he says to the Jews look I understand Under the Mosaic Law, it was difficult. He said, here's Peter, James, and John. I'm going to give them the keys. Uh, What they bind, they bind. What they loose, they loose. And Peter, James, and John, and Paul, they said, look, these things don't measure. Like, these things are not necessary to keep the law of God anymore. We have Christ Jesus. This has been fulfilled. The law was fulfilled it expired a new covenant was written right through christ jesus under their administration but you still had to follow what peter paul james and john paul teaching paul didn't seem
0: to think he had to do that and he may be a particular case but he is perfectly willing to take umbrage with the with the leadership in jerusalem and and he's like i don't care if a freaking angel from heaven comes down and tells me something other than what my conscience is telling me i'm not i'm not going to be trapped again under a legal system
1: here's what paul said paul said to peter he withstood him what did he withstand him on on the issue where peter made a separation right between the jews and the gentiles which is a direct violation of all nations shall be blessed in abraham he said you can't do that brother exactly Right. Yeah. And let me tell you something. If Brother Ray or Brother Steve or Brother Randy tried to separate, we'll use modern terms, the Black Saints from the White Saints, they would be rebuked.
0: But now this is where I'm building toward because there are things that you're willing to separate people on. Race is an easy one. There are harder ones, but there are lines drawn. And I'm trying to figure out where those lines are because they yeah. Jesus and Jesus seems no. to be saying We're, it's not all of this legal stuff that's not the line between the two seeds or whatever you know between regeneration
1: and not so so Paul said, I think he wrote now this was before when he's just new not newly but younger in his ministry him and Barnabas go up in acts 15 and they say it's not needful that they be circumcised or mm. but he said but Tell them they can't offer things, they can't eat things offered to idols, I believe it was, and that they give to the poor. Which
0: is weird because Paul later says, whatever you find in the market, whatever you're invited to eat, don't even ask them questions for conscience sake. If,
1: showing that they have the administrative ability to say, don't do this.
0: I don't, it, so you're saying
1: they did Paul, it. Paul, I mean, Paul's they wrote that letter.
0: Conviction, Paul's personal conviction was, I can eat meat sacrificed to idols, doesn't bug me. But he, but he gave a commandment to the churches not to do that is that what you're saying because he had the oh. right to do that he had the binding and loosing power to say to the, in, the council invent. at
1: jerusalem the council at jerusalem had the ability to tell the gentiles based on genesis three fifteen, based on the prophecy based on their calling and election to say look we're not gonna one. We're not gonna eat things offered to idols. Another thing they said, and you need to give to the poor. I mean, they didn't just say do whatever you want.
0: Now, what if what if someone says? And, and
1: Paul would later on say to the Ephesians things like, "Don't lie, um, don't do this, don't receive this person." Mm-hmm. He yeah. gave direct the the apostles gave pretty direct commands. Even in dress, they said, "Look." You don't get to wear just anything you want, you know, however you want to interpret that. They said no braiding, broiding, sorry, broiding of the hair, no immodesty, no wearing of gold. They specified gold. Don't, don't be, you know, you can't, you can't uh, commit fornication.
0: Well, they did say all that stuff. I'm kind of wondering, am I exploring the idea that maybe they're even overstepping themselves Spiritually to do that, and 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 setting up some administration that perhaps so, Jesus wasn't
1: uh, so wouldn't necessarily so, be all on board with. So I don't believe Peter, Paul, James, or John overstepped at all. I think they actually operated in the gifting they had, and I think their realization of what God was going to do caused them to know there would be a falling away because they saw. Through vision, a glorious church with a diverse leadership of Gentile and Jew in the administration and dispensation of the gospel. They saw an ambassador itch from heaven that was diverse, that was cultured, that was Gentile. And and I think um that is a historic. Just, just talking about history that's an historic thing to be excited about I agree with that entirely I agree with that entirely so L-
0: let's let's you okay you've you've laid down um, you as an apostle you have some rules and if I come along and say you know what Pat I disagree with you you your response would be you're not allowed to
1: ah uh, so so um,
0: like, like, I, my, con, my conscience, me... I differ with you on this, but I should go with your conscience instead of my conscience. Is that, is that the appropriate sort of Christian thing to do?
1: So I think Paul would exhort the saints under him that they would commend themselves to his conscience, that they would follow him as he followed Christ. That doesn't leave you without a voice or under tyranny. One thing I want to say that is important in church history. There have been times where men stood in the gap and filled specific places, John the Baptist or okay. Danny Lane. Mm-hmm. But there's always a plural mm-hmm. ministry. And as 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 apostles, there would be, <clears throat> you notice when the saints scattered, those at Jerusalem stayed together, that's because they had an administration and the care for the church in which they wanted and needed to consult with one another and be able to hear from one another that be um discuss these things they were called to do that they yeah. were called to do that from their paul said from his mother's womb he was an apostle jeremiah said that so i think the real question comes down to also in romans 9 it says you know what if god is willing to show mercy he has these vessels show the so the vessels say to the potter why hast thou made me thus mm-hmm. and i think that's a lot of a lot of the issues of the world is people say why am i like this instead of appreciating their gift which only they have which the world needs which only they can exercise and make a difference in which cannot be taken from them people start looking on others and say well that's why am i not like him and i think that's what happened in the morning time people looked at Peter and Paul and James and John, and they said, well, I want to sit in that seat, except when they took that seat, they weren't called, they weren't elected, they didn't stand on the prophecy, on the faith. Yeah, that's and the rub. And they fell, and they brought many into tyranny.
0: That's the real crux, and, and we should get, we should move on to Brother Lane here, and I'll give you the last one. yeah.
1: Yeah.